0: Forty nine is deep in the heart, like Joe Montana in the corner, deep heart, Garrison Hurst, Stiff Farm, going ninety nine. Don't get it twisted, one and all with five time. John Teller, Jerry Rice down the sideline, NDP, greatest owner of all time, Groovy, Walgre, Bill Bellachek, were all students of Bill Watts. Don't
1: ever forget. I'm Lee Gowland. I'm Brian Davis. And this is the 49 Niner Faithful UK Show. Hi, guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Forty Niner Faithful UK Show. On today's show, I'm joined by a couple of, of returning guests in Gia Peplow and Gareth Ellis. Both Gia and Gareth are going to help me break down the disappointing loss to the Falcons and hopefully answer some of the questions many of the group members have. We were also going to be joined by Paul Hope, but unfortunately, Paul has had to pop out to Clark's to buy some new shoes. <laughs> Those who know, know.
0: <laughs>
1: Welcome back, guys. Are you over the loss, or are we still smarting?
0: Um, I'm over it personally. Um, it it was a in my eyes, it was a n- not necessarily a vital win for us.
1: Yeah, I'll agree with that. I mean, for me, it was just like ripping off a band aid. You, you got that uh, stinging feeling as we lost the game, but after that, yeah, you, you put it into some context and realise where we are, where we've come from. And even though it could have been better, yeah, it's just one of those things.
0: Yeah, definitely.
2: Yeah, seems, uh, yeah, I think that's that's the way I feel about it as well, really. Uh, a bit of a hangover game. Um, every team has one poor game in a season. I think that's the first poor game we've had. Better get it out of the way now than in the next three, four weeks. Yeah, exactly.
1: Right. so a brief summary of last night. The Falcons came into Levi's as 10-point underdogs and with a pretty poor pass defence, statistically speaking. Kyle Shanahan had made the point earlier in the week telling the team it's it's their Super Bowl, it's the Falcons' Super Bowl and if we don't make it ours, then we're going to get our butts kicked. Cue 60 minutes of football later and we're all left wondering how the Falcons left with a 29-22 victory and making our last two games must-win games if we want that number one seed. One thing that we shouldn't forget though, before we move on to the analysis, the Falcons have previously beaten the Saints, the Saints with a backup quarterback have beaten the Seahawks, both the Saints and the Packers lost to us, and the last two games regardless of injury report will need to be taken on a game-by-game
0: basis. Yeah, it it was a tough one. I think it was like how the Falcon, wasn't it, (laughs) to keep it PG. Yeah. I, I mean, we've been spoiled this season, really, haven't we? Um, we've gone from a group of supporters that were hoping for maybe like a an eight and eight season, or if, you know, maybe even a nine and seven season, um, to now we're we're spoiled. We've got greedy. We want to win every single game, and I think there's nothing wrong with that, but it also does leave us open for a little bit of disappointment, which is what we had last night.
2: Yeah. Thoughts, Gareth? Uh, yeah, totally. Um, <laughs> it's it's a bad loss. It was a very disappointing performance uh, a, across the board. Um, I don't think there's there's a huge amount of positives we can take from it, other than Mr. Kittle. Um, I think it's one of those things where this game isn't as important as how they react to it in the next game, uh, and that's what I'm going to be looking for. Um, when we when we have lost games, the the team has generally responded and upped up their level of performance. Uh, It's incredibly difficult, I think to maintain the intensity that we've had in, in games this season. Uh, So there was probably going to be a game where that dropped off, um, didn't come quite together. There were a lot of things. Jimmy G didn't look sharp. The offense didn't execute. Defense looked tired. um, Defense looked like it lacked a bit of leadership um, with some of the, some of the more experienced guys going out. Particularly, I think on the on the last drive, uh, somebody there to steady the secondary. Um, it's 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 one of those things. In many respects, I can I can handle a loss where we 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 haven't played well for a number of, the, of reasons. I'm more concerned if if we if we play well but can't win. Um, yeah. And, and we played pretty. You know, the worst game we've played. Uh, uh, there were, we weren't good on either side of the ball, um, and, and 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 we lost it. I also, you know, the Falcons aren't perhaps as bad as their record suggests. Uh, they turned the corner, I think, after their bye week when they beat the Saints following that up. Uh, they lost a lot of games they probably should have won earlier in the season. Um, I don't think we can judge them as a, a you know, a four-win team uh, coming to Levi's. They're, they're a better team than that. So, you know, it's not like having lost to the Bengals or or someone like that. So,
1: Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. Okay, so let's take an alternative look at the negatives and positives this week by answering some of the questions posed in the group. And if neither of you have any objections, I would like to book the normal trend of me palming the questions off onto you and actually start with the first question. So please bear with me because this is going to be a a tad long-winded. If you're listening to the podcast, you might want to go and... Put the kettle on for a cuppa. <laughs> ah, there it is. <laughs> there it is. By which time, I may have reached the point of actually asking the question. Right, so the question I want to discuss is potentially controversial, and it's one that I spotted from our first offensive player, and that was Joe Staley starting in place of Daniel Brunskill. Now... I mentioned this on the preview show and made the point that it might be better to give Joe another game's rest before bringing him back as a starter, but obviously there is another viewpoint to this and that was getting him back up to speed before two tough divisional games with everything to play for. Now, before we answer that, and don't get me wrong, he only had the one terrible player which allowed pressure straight through with Jimmy, but he wasn't as quick as what he could have been but the O-line overall allowed Jimmy to be sacked once, which stood, and another twice, which didn't, because of roughing the passer penalties on the Falcons. And to be honest, I think we were, we were quite fortunate on at least one of those. Maybe it's both of those we were quite fortunate on. As well as that, we couldn't open up any holes through the line of scrimmage for the run game. All, all the runs were being bounced to the outside. So the question is, did we make the right decision in bringing Joe back for this game.
0: Yes. I'm with you on this. Um, on the second part of it saying that we needed to get him back and we needed to get him game ready for next week. Um, I think if we had sat him, uh, we saw it previously against the Seahawks when he was out for two weeks and we, we say we brought him back a little bit too soon and he looked a little bit rusty and all this sort of thing. I think we had to bring him back this game to get him game ready for next week. Um, It was a game we could afford to lose. We didn't obviously want to, um, but it's a game we could have afforded to lose. But it still gets him game time and gets him, again, game ready for next week.
2: Yeah, I think young Miss Peplow hasn't taken the loss too well, has she?
0: No, no, she never takes losing anything very well.
1: (laughs) To to be honest, that could have been any one of a number of people in the group last night.
0: (laughs) Not me, not me.
1: Right, so Gareth, your your thoughts on whether or not we should have brought um, Joe Staley back for that game?
2: I think it's you know if you if you start as fit, um, you know you 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 put them in. Uh, I think we saw a few games ago when when School got bullied for the first quarter um, and got swapped straight out. I think for Branskill. Um, as you said, Staley had one missed assignment. I think and on on an early drive um uh, but other than that i think i mean the whole o line looked a bit soft uh, as you said couldn't make any holes for the running game jimmy g was under quite a lot of pressure i think for much of the game even though maybe the sack total doesn't show it but i wouldn't i wouldn't necessarily pick on on staley in in particular there as having a uh, having a poor game
1: right okay so yeah Like I said, I could see both viewpoints. I was thinking, do we rest them, get them fully fit for the Rams and the Seahawks? But then I started thinking, well, this is the perfect game to bring them back up to speed. Mainly because me, like everybody else, I thought we were going to roll over the Falcons, which is why I went for the um, the 42-15 scoreline. So blame me for that scoreline. But yeah, (laughs) I I thought it had been the... um, I could understand both viewpoints. Yes, rest them, no play them. So I, I was a bit torn and I just wondered what everybody else thought
0: about that. So- I think the fact that Sherman was out as well, which is obviously a very heavily orientated leader of the team now, being Grandad, um, I think we needed to have somebody like Staley or we needed to have Staley there to give that motivation, that guidance to some of the the, the younger players of the team, I think.
1: Yeah, yeah, that, that that's a very good point. Um, obviously we were decimated by injuries on, on defence and Sherman is one of those that steps up to take on the uncle role. Um, arm around the shoulder, getting the team set up for success and obviously he's been through all this before anyway. He's, he's won a championship. He knows about these big games, he plays in them, he thrives on them. So yeah, it's a good point that we did need that sort of leadership. Um, I, I think... Steely would have been there on the sidelines anyway, but you can't substitute that for having that leader actually on the field when no. you're playing, especially in the huddle as well. So, yeah, that's that's understandable, that. So, moving on to the next question. The next question is probably half a dozen questions in one, uh, but I'm going to wrap it all up and, and try and ask the question as one. So... What did we make of the Kittle-heavy play calling? Was this Kyle trying to make up for not getting George's single-game record last year? Did Jimmy dismiss open receivers because he was waiting to give Kittle an opportunity? Or were our receivers permanently covered by a 24th-ranked pass defence?
0: Um, I got very strong opinions on this definitely not were we designing plays to try and get Kettle a record I don't think anybody on that team um, especially coaching staff would potentially in a way jeopardise um, the outcome of a game to single out one player's record um, we keep on saying it wasn't important it wasn't an important game to win um, but let alone we still would have liked to, um, but uh, to assume that they were purposely targeting one player so he could get a record in the record books, albeit a great record, um, you know, to take it away from Ditko, who's a legend in his own right, um, I think crazy, to be honest.
2: Yeah, I, I I can't see Shanahan putting uh, putting it all on one one guy or or Jimmy G really. I th- I think it was I mean possibly they like the matchups that they thought we'll get Kittle the ball because he can he can uh, uh, wreck through the secondary there. I also yep. think Jimmy G wasn't very sharp. He, he he had plenty of other targets really to those those other receivers early and he missed them. Uh, Kendrick Bourne had a had a drop on a on a really difficult catch right down by his ankles. I can certainly remember one where it was a foot in front of Sanders. So the others maybe had had the chances. We wouldn't be talking about this if the other receivers and and Jimmy had been a little bit more in sync.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I mean, Jimmy did miss some uh, open receivers last night, which which I think is what what has prompted the question. Now, the, the thing that is very peculiar, and it could be because Shanahan is really an offensive genius, is I think I think it was purely in the third quarter, Jimmy was targeted with ten consecutive passes. Now, is this Shanahan thinking, well, they're never ever gonna think I'm gonna keep on throwing to Kittle time and time again? Is that the level of genius he's working at? He's thinking, Yeah, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna put all my cards on the deck here, just continue to go to Kittle
0: until they him. It's a risky play, isn't it? Um, I think if you turn up with the same game plan every game, you're going to get found out eventually. Um, I don't think it would be worth showing your entire hand this far into the season with where we've got to go to.
2: Yeah, I think it's it's not so much that series. I thought the whether it's the whole game plan, not individual play calls, but it did seem very disjointed. Uh, we weren't able to get into any sort of rhythm. maybe that series of of ten passes was designed to see if we can get Jimmy into a bit of a rhythm. Uh, that didn't work uh, across across the game. i I would say there's probably some credit uh, credit there for Dan Quinn. I think he knows how to upset the rhythm that that Carl Shanahan wanted to get in the game. Uh, and we never did. sometimes we we seem to be running and passing in a slightly odd, Disjointed manner and and could never build up any sort of uh, momentum other than that one very long drive uh, and I think that was helped by by a few penalties along the way on third down so we were we were off it the entire game I think on the offense um, so you know Shanahan picks these plays maybe he, he likes the matchups uh, maybe some might have been you know run pass options
1: yeah so. Something you've mentioned there. I'm, I'm going to jump down to one of the uh, questions we have got l- uh, later on, and because it fits in with what you've just said, so it, it wasn't fluid. There was no, there was no rhythm about our offense last night. Was this because the the team was essentially drained from the previous week?
2: I I I, I would say so. Um, you know, they've just done that gauntlet. They've just done those those back to back tougher uh, away games. Uh, it is difficult to maintain that high level of, of performance. It did seem a bit of a hangover. Everybody did seem a bit tired. Uh, we can see, obviously, the impact on, on the defence uh, by moving to our second-choice players. But the, the offence just seemed very sluggish as well. I think other than Kittle and Mostert, uh, pretty much everyone else seemed off off their game. Um, and it's, it's, it's going to happen. I think probably drained is, is the right word. We were sloppy, sluggish. Um, I think we, you know, we'll put that down to having a really tough series of games. Uh, obviously, a huge, huge win in in New Orleans, uh, and it's 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 come back round to catch up with them. So that's that's why I think, you know, forget this game and let's move on to the next one. Prepare right, the next game's at home. Uh, we're moving into the final stretch of the season, uh, let this one go, learn from it, onto the Rams.
0: I mean, look how we felt Monday morning. And we just watched it <laughs> with yeah. the Saints. Yeah, um, they gave us they gave us a hell of a battering. You know, we did come away with a few key injuries. Um, but I, 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 yeah, we did look tired. We did look a little bit lethargic. I wouldn't say I've seen some reports saying we were lacklustre. I think that's a bit unfair, especially coming off of the games we have. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's a nothing game for me. You know, it's. It is what it is. <laughs> okay, so we've been asked another question. Has
1: Jimmy given up on his receiving core? Now, I've got strong feelings about this myself. Um, that, that is quite frankly, no, he hasn't given up on them. In fact, in the last three or four weeks, he's demonstrated that he's got a lot more confidence in his receiving core than he has pretty much all season long. Um, that has developed it. I think, again, it comes down to the player calling and the fact that, we have going to Kittle so often. Um, Gareth mentioned it earlier. Jimmy didn't need to go to Kittle so often because he was actually missing open receivers. And I think that's what's prompted the uh, question. We had open receivers and he wasn't actually targeting them. So do we think Jimmy is given up on our receiving call? Uh
2: No, absolutely not. I mean, think way, way back to the last few weeks where uh, the air game, Jimmy... And all of the receivers have been good. You know, the Saints game, uh, Samuel, Sanders, uh, Mostert caught uh, catches. Kendrick Bourne got a couple of touchdowns. Uh, You know, no, none none of that disappears over one game where maybe the receivers seem to be a bit tired. Uh, I think possibly the Falcons secondary Uh, perhaps did a better job in coverage than we may give them some credit for. I think there were a few wild passes from from Jimmy, as I said, Uh, and there seem to be a few where he passed just in front of the receiver. And it always makes me think that if the uh, uh, covering secondary guy has just managed to get a little tug or a little bump on the receiver and the receiver's half a second behind where he should be in the timing, uh, it ends up the quarterback looks like he's he's overthrown or, or thrown wide. Um, so sometimes give the give the Falcons some uh, some credit on that, but but no, I think out of the uh, Kendrick Bourne, uh, Debo Samuel and uh, Sanders, uh, Jimmy G's clearly got utmost faith in all of them, particularly some of the throws he, he tossed out at uh, at New Orleans.
1: So some of the throws from last night that Jimmy was. What looked as always thrown them too wide. They, they all seem to be in situations where it was going towards one of the sidelines and he was trying to put it into a place where only the receiver can actually get the ball. Do you think he's overdoing that because of the problem with interceptions earlier on in the season and he's erring on the side of caution and he's pushing it far too out, far out?
2: Uh, I think possibly, but... Uh... When we look at all the great quarterbacks, it's often said, oh, the quarterbacks only put it where the receiver can get it. It's what good quarterbacks do. I think it was just Jimmy. Jimmy was off his game and those those passes were uh, one foot, two foot off off target. Um, He clearly could have thrown two or three interceptions. Uh, I think he certainly he forced a potential touchdown pass to Kittle. I think it was the one at the end of the second quarter where we settled for the field goal, uh, where he, was, he wasn't he was open at all. Um, and luckily, Kittle defended the past and, and knocked it away um, from being intercepted in the end zone. So I think perhaps he may be sort of forcing it a little, but I think Jimmy does that when he knows perhaps the offense isn't firing. He's taking a bit too much on himself uh, and is prepared to do those riskier throws to try and make something happen which I think that's whether you think that's a good or a bad thing. Um, sometimes I think if you, you've got a shade to take chances to win games, um, and I'm glad we've got a quarterback who seems resilient enough to to take those whiskey passes rather than hesitate in the pocket, um, get sacked, lose the down. Um, I'd, I'd, sometimes I'd rather you take the shot where, if you feel that the, the team needs to score at that time.
0: I, I think this is probably, from previous games, this is the one game where we could risk risk it to try something different to try some new plays to see if we could you know force the play maybe in some cases
1: yeah yeah potentially so do you think the first thing that Jimmy's gonna do today after he wakes up is go straight onto the nFL shop.com and buy some gloves that will fit debo <laughs> what was, what on earth happened there Crazy. it I, was
0: I whether he didn't have him strapped up, or I, I don't know. It's a piece of Velcro, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but to see that flapping around in the wind—and
1: to be honest, I mean, even though it does have Velcro on, those receiver gloves that they fit like a second skin.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, that was a strange one. That one that was very strange, and um, it's a shame it happened because that ball should have been caught. That ball should definitely have been caught. And just looking at the uh, the look on Jimmy's face. Because luckily enough, the camera pans straight around to Jimmy. And he was like, for God's sake, what, what, what on earth are you doing? <laughs>
0: and also, if we're talking about faces, do you remember Kittle's face? On the tackle, on the block.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> that was fantastic, that. He, he was laughing like a school kid. He, oh, was, it was he loves brilliant. it.
0: Absolutely brilliant.
2: I did see that the, uh, the zebra behind the goal line there rushes straight up to him. I think because he can hear him screaming. Uh, and he sort of rushes straight up, looking concerned into Kittle's face and then realises that he's just laughing hard.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Okay, so another question we've been asked, and I'm, I'm assuming this is just about last night's game. Are we too one-dimensional? And the reason I say I'm assuming it's about last night's game is because we run the ball and we throw the ball. We've proven that. Against the Saints, we are all about throwing the ball. Early on the season, it was all about running the ball. So we're definitely not one-dimensional. However, what I will say is it's not that often we've actually seen a good run game and a good pass game in the same game. It's always one or the other. That's doing it.
2: I think that's, that's if, if the run game's working, stick with the run game. Don't try and then say, OK, the run game's working, let's force the pass. And if the passing game's get, getting where you are and it's continuing to get you yards, um, why switch to a run game? So I think there is an element of, of going what works. I don't think last night anything worked. I think uh, I, I was surprised in New Orleans how much Shanahan clearly opened up the playbook with the trick plays and, and, and the various uh, different things and deep balls that we haven't seen, I'm hoping that he's been saving some stuff back and thought, I, d- I shouldn't need to dip this far into the playbook to beat the uh, the Falcons. We should just be able to get back to basics, establish a run game, uh, some short passes, uh, and we should be able to win this. So I think the game plan was conservative rather than one-dimensional.
0: Yep, yeah, totally agree. Um, I, I don't think... It, it must be focused on last night because you had a look at the stats. I think prior to the game, I think um, the the NFL network were singing our praises how balanced we were when it came to the passing and the rushing game. Um, I think last night was just a little bit of a glitch. Again, I may go back to the fact that we may be trying some different things to move on to the Rams next weekend. Um, I, I think it was a... I, I see it as more of a little pre-season game and a little tester for little things that we could be doing next week. All right.
1: Yeah, I can see that. I can see that, definitely. So, it's been pointed out that the three defeats that we have had this season uh, have all come on the final play of the game. So, the question's being asked, are we giving up on final oh. players?
0: I saw this question and it boiled my blood. Um, To think that we've got this far in the season with the record that we have from giving up. Um, No, we never give up. You know, I mean, look at the the last play, the final play yesterday when we went lateral. It was a mess, but we still tried. I think to say that any team, especially us, to come from where we were last season to where we are this season to even think that we give up in a game towards the end of any quarter, let alone it be in the fourth, I think is crazy.
2: Yeah, I'd agree with that. We've we won games late as well. I think it was the uh, Cardinals game. I think where it, we forced what we did last night. We got the go ahead score and then they had to do the laterals and and we got the touchdown. Uh, so the offense has fought to the end. I think the defense has fought to the end. I think last night we, we missed particularly Sherman uh, in, in that last uh, Atlanta drive. The, the secondary did look a little bit panicked. The, the defence and the defensive line was clearly very tired. Uh, we're really missing those players being able to rotate out so that people like, like Bosa and Buckner can can have a little bit of a rest and stay fresh in a, in a situation like that. I think we were, we were worn down and fair play to Atlanta they executed their their 2 minute offense really well julio jones obviously had a field day against us so they kept going to him um you know credit atlanta for that they 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 marched down the field too quickly i think in that final drive uh and then they had what six seven plays in the red zone to try and get it in um I think that's that it wasn't a question of giving up I think it was a, a question of of being tired and lacking that little bit of experience and composure in that situation.
1: Yeah. Yeah I think it didn't help that uh, we had so many pieces on defence that was missing. We we have come off that game against the Saints and you clearly see that the the players were were fairly drained. The two previous defeats the defence have never given up. They've actually kept two very, very good teams, two field goals. Um, and it just so happens that those field goals were the winning field goals. Whereas last night, last night we just looked tired. We looked drained. We looked a little bit devoid of uh, motivation, to be honest. But I don't think it's a case of we gave up on the player. I, th- I think it's just a case yeah. of we're tired. Our bye week was week four and mm. <laughs> the players need a rest. I think that's what it is. The players definitely need
2: Absolutely, yeah. the, that that bye week and week four. I, I I really think that's something the league should should look at. It's if you're going to give bye weeks that early, you should have uh, everybody in the division has that same bye week off. It's it's been such a huge advantage. I think to Seattle, they had their bye week in what week ten, week eleven. Yeah, it's so- for, for a league that talks about parity all of the time. Uh, there's to give other people in your division huge benefits of having a rest. Before that run in and the playoffs, uh, you know that's that's not parity. I,
0: I did see somebody actually put a question up, Lee, um, regarding maybe having a, a second bye week in in the um, in the season. Um, the league uh, utmost on protecting their assets, as we've spoken about in the past. Obviously, being the quarterback, um, but I think there's a lot more assets to this game than just a quarterback, and that's. And it's it's detrimental to the league to see so many players and key players for all teams being battered and bruised and being out with a hamstring injury and all this, where they have to play, you know, 10 games on the bounce. Um, I I think it would definitely be worth the league looking at maybe bringing in a second bye week for everybody, not just, um, you know, just early bye week teams, um, just to keep this. momentum for all teams going not just us you know there's plenty of other teams in the league that are battered and bruised from playing you know game after game after game that sometimes it would be nice to have a break from another week and let teams continue the momentum that they've got and keep on giving amazing games with fully fit teams.
1: Yeah, so I I thought that question was a really good question and it did get us thinking straight away how that would work because obviously we we can't start the season any earlier than we do Uh, and the reason behind that is traditionally it's always started on uh, Labour Week, Labour Day. Um, So they wouldn't start it earlier uh, but potentially I can't see any problem pushing the the Super Bowl out another week into the second week in February and that will give you Enough chance to add in a bye week the only problem you'll have there is the regular season will no longer finish in the same year it'll have to go over into the new year and that's one thing that might potentially stop it
0: I mean it's, it's always been though I mean it, it's always been 2018-2019 season so you know I, I think one extra week I know the Americans are a stickler for tradition so are we um but i think if if they were to put a, a, a put it to a vote sort of thing i think a lot of players would much rather see 16 games of fully fit teams going at each other instead of maybe a quarter of those being depleted teams going against a fully fit team and vice versa
1: yeah yeah and i think you made a very good uh, suggestion there about how it could work and that is um if or not how it could work having a second bye week, but if you're gonna have a bye week, the best way to do it is to make sure everybody in the division has exactly the same bye week. Because the division is the most important thing.
2: Yeah, so each each division would get a, a week off, eight divisions. Um what's that between say weeks,
0: you know, four to twelve? I think week four's a bit early for a bye. You know, I, I, I think yeah, I do, I do well. but
2: at least everybody in the division has got that same bye week. I think that's yeah. that's yeah. my issue with it more than anything else for for a, a league that talks about parity um, well, and the, everybody can see the huge benefit of having your bye week
0: later. Yeah, hundred percent. I think the other option is to get rid of a preseason game.
2: Yeah, I think I think a lot of the coaches quite like that as well. They don't feel they need the four preseason games.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's that's an idea. Yeah, that that was a good question that one. Okay, so another one that is going to raise uh, quite a debate. <laughs> Should we have gone for it on fourth and second rather than kicking the field goal? And did Gould's miss earlier for the extra point influence the decision
0: not to go for it? I think 100% Gould's miss did influence it. Um but at the same time, I mean, our previous efforts on fourth downs have been phenomenal. Um, I would have, I don't know if it was because Shanahan could see we were tired and we weren't playing to the greatest of our ability that he didn't go for it. Um, I would have liked to have seen him go for it personally. Um, Probably just being selfish and just thinking that previous plays on fourth down, scoring touchdowns on fourth and two previously and stuff like that. It would have been nice to see it do it again. Um, I don't know. Hindsight's a wonderful thing, isn't it? You know, we can say if we had gone for the fourth down, we could have eaten up the clock. Um, and maybe scored but it's all maybes you know I I think maybe we went for that field goal because slight naivety thinking that the Falcons could have come back at us that powerful and that strong that late on in the game
1: Yeah so the, the way I look at it if I was to look at it from Shanahan's point of view I'd been thinking well we've only got a two point lead it's fourth and two if we don't make it all the Falcons need is a field goal. So mm-hmm. all they need to do is get to the 35-yard line, the 40-yard line, and they'll be able to win the game. If we kick the field goal, they have to get a touchdown. And he's got every confidence in the defence because defence has been outstanding this season. Yeah. Just last night's game, they were poor and we couldn't stop it. So I think I think we were right not to go for it on fourth and two. I think the decision... Uh, sorry. I think the the fact that Gould missed the earlier extra point did influence it. So I completely agree with you there, Jay. I think if we had that extra point, we'd have definitely gone for it because we had that field goal difference.
2: Yeah, totally. I I think it was the the right decision. I think is you know what can what can Shanahan do? Uh, it might have been tempered, as you said, with that with that extra point. And if our offense had been building up. Some momentum, but even even when we had the ball and were making a bit of a drive, they were they were stuttering drives. Um, we weren't seeming to to build up a momentum or or consistently guaranteeing we'll get some yards on on the play. So I think the the almost he, he had to take the field goal there to to not would have probably been stupid because as you say, suddenly then the Falklands only need to go forty yards and and uh, take a knee and can kick the field goal with, uh, with the clock on two seconds uh, he forced them to say well you're going to have to come all the way down the field and get a touchdown and of course you know they, they were able to execute that fair play to them
1: yeah yeah so we're all in agreement that uh, it was a, it was the best decision under the circumstances so, yeah. yeah okay so this next question this is the one where it's probably going to have two different sides to the question you, you can see it from either way how, how should we approach the last two weeks? Do we rest starters and plan to go through the playoffs as a wildcard team? Or do we continue to play tired players hoping we can win out against two division rivals and secure the number one seed, which in turn brings with it a bye week?
0: Um, I think we can actually get the best of both worlds on this. Um, I, I think we just need to do a little bit heavier rotation. Um, You know, Kittle's playing 75%, 85% of snaps. Um, Give him a rest. You know, I think if we play these next two games, we we never play to lose, we never play to draw, we will only ever play to win. But I think if we use our heads about it a little bit more and just put a much heavier rotation than we normally would do, it's going to give... Players, this warm up for game on game. It's going to give players a rest for game on game. They're not hitting every single snap or running every play. Um, I think if we play it sensibly, we can still win the games with a heavy rotation. We're not, you know, we're not weak in second string and third string players. Um, I, I just think with a heavier rotation of players, play sensible, play to win. I reckon we can have the Rams, we can have the Seahawks and we can still hit the playoffs with a very fit team.
2: Yeah. I think it it is a, it is a damned if you do damned, if you don't sort of question. Uh, but if you, if you don't bring some of these players back who are going to be fit, they're going to go into the postseason rusty. And then people will be saying, Oh, you should have played them. If, if they're, if they were a little bit off their game, they need to get some game time back in momentum at this time of season is, is all important. If, if, horrors that they could be that if we lost the next two games, then we go into into the postseason having lost sort of five or four. Um, that I, I'd rather have perhaps the lower record, but going into postseason on the back of a load of wins than perhaps having a better record, but but stuttering and limping over into the postseason. Um I think it'll be interesting to see how the Rams uh, do. The Rams are still potentially, Open to a to a playoff spot. They seem to have done really badly against uh, against Dallas. It's a divisional game. I think Jay's right. I think we should potentially be be rotating people a little more. Ross Dwelly did really quite well when he came in for Kittle, um, and yeah. now he's back to just special teams. Where it thinks, well, hang on, put, put Dwelly in, give Kittle a rest, and maybe they'll they'll think our oh, Kittle's gone, and and someone won't pick up Dwelly. Uh, it might cause a little bit of bit of confusion there. The guy seemed. He took his chances when he came in, scored a couple of touchdowns, I think. Um, same same with the defence as well. Um, we've got Elijah Lee back playing special teams. I don't think he's he's possibly had a defensive snap. I don't think, did Kentavious Street play anything last night? Um, I don't recall I don't know seeing him. He's, he's, he's fully activated. Um, but I think we've got to get some of these guys getting some game experience. All of these games are, are big games. Effectively, we are... Playing playoff games now. Certainly, the the game in Seattle is is effectively the beginning of the playoffs. So I'd say if we've got the players available, get them back in. But maybe ease those injured players back in um, and and give more time to to some of these guys who perhaps aren't getting the snaps um, that, that that maybe they they've earned perhaps with with some of the work they've done this season.
1: Yeah, yeah, I can see I can see both sides of the uh, the argument there, but I think I'll. I'm definitely one that thinks we should try and win out because I think the the, the number one seed is crucial to us given the fact that if it goes to Seattle, then everybody has to go through Central Link Field and you know how difficult it is to play at Central Link Field. And one of the things that's nagging at the back of my mind is we've yet to see Jimmy go into Central Link Field and win. So I'd rather he doesn't have to do that in the postseason um, hopefully he will do that last game of the regular season but I hope he doesn't have to go into a poor season game and win in that environment
2: yeah keep keep winning I think that's that's got to be the mentality uh win every game uh, play the best players you can obviously if we're if we're getting hammered, by the third quarter against the Rams maybe that's where you can potentially think okay let's let's rest some guys but uh, I would rather do it the other way let's go out and hammer the Rams in the first couple of quarters um really do what we did down in LA which was was seemingly break their will to live um and then maybe you can rest some guys in in the fourth quarter yeah yeah
1: okay so we've got quite a few other questions which we've pretty much run out of time for but I want to ask one final question So I'm asking this for a friend, actually. and I want you you to think about it really, really hard.
0: You want to get a pair of those red shoes, don't you?
1: (laughs) Well, what I was going to ask is, is it okay for a man to wear a mould of a woman's crotch on his feet and pass that off as fashion?
0: See, I do have a confession to make. I do have a confession to make.
1: You have a pair? I've got a
0: pair. I've got a pair. They're not bright red but they are bright blue, bright yellow, and bright orange. But I don't wear them in public.
2: <laughs> no, I
0: don't blame you. <laughs> actually,
2: think, to, think, to, to actually, be it's honest, fine for a man to wear that, just as long as he's not seen by anybody ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely, yeah.
1: <laughs> to be honest, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm quite okay with them. <laughs> they, they look okay. Or, or, I, I think he's fine having them on his feet. <laughs> I just saw <laughs> yeah. them, and... I remembered back to the comment he made about his Darth Vader jumper being the thing that scared off this um, this 49er faithful, UK faithful fan from um, Stockton Teesside. And, yeah, I was thinking, no, it's not your jumper, mate. It's definitely those shoes. I'd have run a mile.
0: <laughs> hey, at least they're the right colour.
1: They are the right colour. That's right. Okay, so before we finish, let, let's let's just go through a few positives. That came out of the week. If you can find any positives that came out. It it might not necessarily have to be about the game. Actually, I mean there there's one positive straight away about the game. Kittle getting the record. So that that was a huge positive, uh, well done to him. But positives moving into the final two weeks of the season. What what positives do we have?
0: Um I've got some. I I mean, if it's me the ever the optimist, but I, I have got some. I mean Jimmy G's pocket movement. He, he scrambled out of quite a few potential tackles and sacks. Um, he was able to extend plays, which is always nice to see. Um, our rush defense didn't look too bad. I mean, we, we restricted Devonta Freeman to 39 yards, which I think was pretty good considering he's, he's a, a very good running back. Um, Tevin Coleman, only four carries but 40 yards. Um, Kittle has already said, I mean, it's Kittle, isn't it? He's a beast. Um, two more, we didn't get any more injuries. Um, we came out unscathed pretty much, uh, apart from pride. And the last one, the most important positive takeaway from, um, from the game is we're in the playoffs, absolutely.
1: <laughs> So you've pretty much covered everything I had written down as <laughs> positives from my point of view. Um that last one is is pretty much what I mean by saying um, the positive that we've got is we still we still have the number one seed firmly in our own hands and it will remain so as long as we win. If we win yeah, our final two control. games, we're number one.
0: You know, we're in control. We're not relying on somebody beating somebody else where there's there's plenty of teams left in the league that are relying on that. We're still in control.
2: Yeah. yeah and uh, you know the, the the players have earned it this is a sharp end of the season this is what they've worked for all season um I think the, the one positive is potentially you you learn more by failure. so I think some of those guys who've had to come in and, and carry the defense uh, against the Falcons, There's a lot of tape there to say. Well, this is where you went wrong. We had mostly against possibly the best receiver in the league in Julio Jones. He's hopefully going to learn some things from from the coaches, from from people like Sherman, and show him where he went wrong. Uh, And and hopefully these guys they've got they've got to face three good receivers next week that the the, the Rams have got. So uh, I'm hopeful that the the one positive thing from this is it's a game that didn't matter. If we were going to lose one, you know, that was the game to lose less uh, out of what we have left this season. Uh, and hopefully there's a lot of guys there who will who will pick up their game and, and, and learn from what was a disappointing defeat. Some of the locker room stuff, a lot of the guys are saying, you know, exactly the right things uh, immediately back in the locker room, putting their hands up and saying, yeah, I didn't do well enough. Um, rather than anyone pointing at anyone else or anyone hiding away, hoping that they, they don't get blamed for anything. They've all gone gone in and put their hands up and said that was not good enough. So, uh, you know, I think the positive thing is is the, the core of attitude that runs through this team that credit to Shanahan and Lynch, that's what they've built with the players they've selected. And that's the, the, the mentality they've instilled in the team. Um, and that's exactly what you need to come out after a tough loss like that. When you've got to face two division rivals and you've got to win them both, uh, and you're, you're, you're number one seed. It's what they play for. So,
1: Yeah, yeah, completely agree with all that. Definitely. Right, guys, thanks a lot for joining me on the short night and helping to answer all the questions thrown at us.
2: It's a pleasure, Mr. President.
1: <laughs> so let me explain. Oh, yes, that.
2: Mr. President. It's a pleasure.
1: <laughs> yeah, let me explain that. So because it's an American booster club, <laughs> To become a Booster Club of the San Francisco 49ers, you have to have a named president. That is one of the stipulations. So you have to name somebody to be president. So at the time, um, before I took it on, it was uh, Mike Palmer, uh, Michael Anthony Thomas. And when I took over the group and had to get everything switched over, th- there was only me and one other person. And that other person was just basically doing it in the background, just helping me out whenever I needed it. So I had to put my name forward as president. And obviously, this couple that we've talked to at, um, at Edinburgh, they're part of the New Orleans Booster Club. So I thought I would present myself as the president and give them the drinks on behalf of the whole of the 49er Faithful UK. And that's how that came about. Essentially, <laughs> I'm exactly the same as every other admin in there. All we are as admins. But yeah, that, that's, no, that's, you are the president. that's the story. You
0: are all high and mighty. So, I
1: hope I get Marilyn Monroe uh, singing to me on my birthday, even if it's a virtual Marilyn Monroe.
2: Does the, uh, does the Booster Club have any official rules about impeachment procedures?
1: Well, funny you should mention that. <laughs> I don't think it does, but we might have to draw some up, some guidelines, just in case. <laughs> right, thanks again to everybody that listens to the show and um, please remember to like and subscribe and also check out our youtube channel which can be found by searching for 49 faithful uk the next show will be released this friday when we'll be reviewing another one of paul's fashion choices as well as the early morning game against the rams until then <laughs> Go Niners
0: Go Niners Go Niners deep in the heart like Joe Montana in the corner deep part Garrison it hurts stiff four go 99 don't get it twisted one it all with five time John Teller Jerry Rice down the sideline in greatest on the up all time groove Walgreens Bill Bella check with all students of Bill Walsh don't ever forget